0: Alright, grace and peace to you all. Come on in, find a seat. Sweet. Hey, it's uh, so good to see you all and good to be together on Sunday mornings together and we uh, what a beautiful time, beautiful community. Uh, this c- type of community is, you know, something, you know, we've always longed for, just as far as the connection, the place together. I always think, you know, church should be light in the sense of like the burden on us. Our worship should be heavy in a sense. And what I mean that by that is coming to a beautiful holy God, bringing our lives through music and worship and connecting together. So, um, it's just cool to be together and just to feel that and sense that this morning. And thanks for being a part of what's happening. And thanks to those of you that were at our, most of you, I think we're at our uh, long table. Thanks for Thanksgiving. And we had a great time together. How good was it? It's just so good to uh, be able to kind of kick back and hang out. And uh, the team did a great job kind of with everything, the the food and you bringing the food and the the vibe, it was really great. It was a little cold, but we managed with some fire, which is great. Um, So just really thrilled. And this is obviously something we love to do every year and will be a staple. Um, We are, not to like rush us here, we are looking towards doing something similar for Christmas. But in this room, we did this pre-COVID, we'll have a Christmas party. I think we're looking at December the 11th. Uh, it's not set in stone, but moving our, morning, uh, moving our morning gathering to the evening in here and just decking it out and having long tables to hang out, to celebrate, just to eat together, spend time together, um, have a killer Christmas playlist. Um, have some fun, fun along the way. We've done that in years before, and it's, it's kind of cool to re-engage some of this stuff after obviously a few long years of, a couple of long years of being forced into virtual Insanity, right? It's good. Um, so again, thankful for the team this morning. Hey, you rock the tambourine way better than the tambourine lady from my childhood. I'm, uh, I'm in, uh, I'm in therapy for the tambourine lady, but you do a good job. So you're just redeeming my life, which is great. It's good. Um, love you guys. Here's here's the plan. So. For the first few weeks of September, we looked at the gospel. What is the gospel? What is a gospel in community? And looked at counter gospels. And really, to me, important work along the way, and what we should be looking at as a community and what actually is the full gospel. And then over Thanksgiving, we had Aaron Young with us in communities, and he just unpacked some things around the spirit and life in the spirit and thankfulness and gratitude, which is beautiful. The plan for the next five or six weeks is to enter into a teaching series, a collection of teachings that I've been kind of shaping together called Domestic Monastery. Domestic Monastery, this is what I'm going to call it. Uh, Many of you know a monastery is a place that's set apart, really a space to withdraw from the world towards a contemplative life. And you know, uh, throughout antiquity, this was a thing. People would devote their lives. Monks and nuns would go into a monastic type of life um, that was kind of separate, and they would practice many of the spiritual practices and devote their lives, in many ways, to celibacy and to uh, a contemplative life of prayer, of the spiritual disciplines, and entering into that. And so that's the plan. We're just all going to move out to the hills create a monastery, uh, quit our jobs, drink some Kool-Aid. Okay, I'm just joking, all right? This is not going to happen, right? So the, you know, as we hear that, and, you know, in seminary, just even reading around some of the, the beautiful people that devoted their lives to that way of living, I always remember reading books of some of the greats, the spiritual greats, in the writings they'd pass on and go, I am very thankful for these monks and nuns that devoted their life to this, but... I'm a city slicker, and I'm at a rink right now, and don't judge me. I'm at a hockey rink right now between three boys who play competitive hockey at least 20 hours a week. You you think I'm exaggerating. I'm not. Please pray for me, and though uh, I love it, and deeply engaged in my neighborhood, we are seeing all sorts of beautiful things amongst friends in our community, and honestly, part of that 20 hours is coaching, and I think shaping young lives and connecting with parents, and um, now working a full-time job and a part of a, a community like this, which we love, and I just so happy this morning. Heather and I just connecting, just so happy with what God's doing. You know, most of us are not going to ever spend time in a monastery. Maybe if you go on a trip to Europe, you'll spend a few minutes, throw a few bucks in the plate or the the collection there. Um, but what we often do is we underestimate our homes. And our daily lives, our normal, ordinary, run-of-the-mill daily lives as a place where we are actually shaped and formed in the way of Jesus. Actually, one way I would put it is, you've heard this, a lot of our teaching is around practice. You know, we're being formed and shaped by something, but one of the things I would love to do over the next five or six weeks is really look at our domestic lives, our homes, as a place where the kingdom of God comes to bear through practicing the way of Jesus and building beautiful homes and households. So this idea was actually from a book, uh, a Catholic writer, named Ronald Rollheiser, who write, wrote a little book, it's like 40 pages, I think, called Domestic Monastery. It's a great little book. Now, his premise in the book is that domestic life at home and work, like a monastery, can teach us things. Uh, I'm taking a little bit of, that's wonderful work, I'm taking a little bit of a different bent over the next five or six weeks. What we really want to do is we want to look at the importance of our homes and how you and I, all of us, can cultivate spiritual practices in them and in particular look at some practices along the way where we could almost in a sense see our homes embodying a contemplative life. That right where we live every single day, we could create space in our homes for the practices to love Jesus deeper, and ultimately, we want not just to practice things to pat ourselves on the back and feel better about ourselves. We want to become more like Jesus. That's the goal. That's the end goal. And ultimately, if we become more like Jesus, what in return happens is we become people of love. That's the goal. Now, we've been on a massive journey the last 10 years in our church's history. We've moved over the last several years into a more practice-based community, and we talk about the practices a lot. One thing you may have noticed, if your spidey senses are on right now, is that every season we have a a spiritual practice that we practice together, along with a, a local outreach and then a teaching series. And this fall, we've kind of been quiet around our spiritual practices and disciplines, and that's not because we're not hoping you haven't been practicing them. Yeah, right? Throw, throw me a bone a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I know it's hard. Um, but it's kind of been gearing up for this because what we want to do now is you're thinking, we talk about this all the time. What I want to do is now channel it through the reality of our households and homes. And so when we use, when I use the word family, okay, over the next five or six weeks, I'm not talking to people, we're not talking to people that just have kids. Many in this room you do, and that's wonderful. There's going to be lots of things along the way that are really going to tie in with this in cultivating beauty in our homes. But when I use the word family or household, that is for all of us. Whether you have kids, you want kids, you're you're a newly married couple and don't have kids, uh, you have housemates, whatever it is, the hope is there's going to be a lot to grab in what we can take away as practices for our own homes. And so when I use that language, I'm not just talking to people with kids. I'm talking about all of us and what we want to see happen. Because here's the reality. I'm a mathematician because I went to Bible college. Okay, that's a lie. Math was my worst. I'd write like a, I'll write you a book or an essay, uh, math and science. I'm just like, it's just not. Some of you are wired that way. God bless you. But I, I pulled out my calculator this week and I t- times seven times 24 is 168 hours a week. If you get eight hours of sleep, that's 56 hours, eight hours of sleep. Some of the parents are just like internally, that may just trigger you. I'm sorry. But if you if you sleep eight hours a week, that's 56 hours. So 168 minus 52, then you're like, we we're here for this. You are. That's 112 hours a week. You have your jobs, you have work, whatever it is. And we have... 112 hours availed to us, and certainly we're busy with the things in our lives. We're here for like, we say our liturgy here is about an hour, just over an hour. The gathering's longer than that because you can come as early or stay as late as you want. So say it's just two hours. That's two hours versus 110 freaking hours out there living your life. And while you know, and just listen back even to the last few teachings, my own teachings, I have, I get criticized for this, have a very high ecclesiology, which means I have a very high view of the church, and I'm willing to take some on the chin for that because I know we're in a moment where that's not a thing. Uh, I really believe what we're doing, every smell, taste, sound, conversation, song, melody, lyric, every scripture verse, every coffee, everything we're doing this morning shapes us into something. I really believe that and have a super high view of the church. We want to look at, okay, we live like 110 hours out there, most of it in our homes. Could there be practices that we could do, take on, that would really help shape us? And the eye-opener for this was something called COVID-19. Do you want to collectively sigh or moan? Do you want to do this? All right. More COVID-19 talk. But, you know, now being in, uh, like professionally, being in the mental health world, uh, this has taken a toll on us. And I just wonder, you know, COVID-19 was this moment in time that really exposed in some way the family, the household, whatever that looks like for us, being pinned and locked down into our homes. And, you know, one of the things I've just been thinking through, yes, we've done a really good job, I think, at cultivating the practices as a community and doing this, but we want to turn it towards what can we be doing in our homes. So the hope is over the next few weeks is to look. We're going to look at four specific practices. This is just going to be an intro this morning. Over the next four weeks, we're going to look at Scripture, so the story of God in our homes, prayer, hospitality, and then in the final week, we're going to look at blessing or words of life because I actually think this is a practice nobody really talks about a lot, the practice of blessing in our homes. Uh, Some are like, oh, here comes the prosperity gospel, right? i I live on the edge or the t- in the tension of, I get it, like the prosperity stuff is nonsense. And yet sometimes it's easy for us, especially those of us that are younger, to swing the other way and ev- we're skeptical of everything. And yet I think in the scripture, there's a leading around blessing in our homes, words of life in our homes that's important. I'm not talking about name it and claim it, but creating a culture within our households that blesses one another with our, with our words. You up for it? okay there are more than those four practices. now the tension with this is I'm going to give you free re- re- a few free re- resources a few free resources a few resources um, and then I'm going to talk about the Shema for a bit and we'll we'll kind of come to the table but I also want to let you know I'm honestly <laughs> I don't know if there's rules around this I'm doing this series for me because in these four practices along the way we've done some things well in our home but and I maybe have some things to share but These are actually four things I need, and I don't know if there's rules around, can you like, can you just turn it all in on yourself? But that's what I'm doing, sorry. And no, I'm just joking, you're along for the ride. I feel like this is something that, these four things I wanna see cultivate in my own home, and so there's a, there's, I'm a little selfish in that perspective in the sense uh, these are things that I've been dialing in on. With that said, there's a few resources. We will pump these things out on social media um, that have helped shape this. Many of you know Tish Warren, who's an Anglican priest. She wrote a little book called A Liturgy of Ordinary, which is a great little resource. Um, Justin Whitmell Early is his name, wrote a, a book recently, I think it came out last year, called Habits of the House. Practicing the story of God in everyday family rhythms has been a really great help. Uh, Along with uh, Rich Veloda, his book, The Deeply Formed Life, which he talks about practices more and kind of taking a hold some of those things to help shape what we could see kind of happen in our households. With that said, also, I want to show a little video because what we're going to do for those of you that are parents, again, this is not a parenting series, what we're doing here. This is for all of us. But there is um, a community, uh, uh, an organization called Intentional Parents that has put together a film series for parents that is really, really helpful in leading through some important things that we should be thinking about as parents when it comes to spiritual formation and raising our kids. We don't have time together to run this midweek. So what we're going to do starting next week in Praxis Weekly is you're going to get a link, if you're a parent, to the Intentional Film Series, it's called the intentional film series. It's nine sessions you can do on your own. If you want people to dialogue with you, Heather and I will dialogue. It's kind of at your own pace. We're gonna give you the links. We're basically purchasing it as a community so that you can do it. Here's a little snapshot and then we'll jump in, okay? This is kind of what we're offering you if you're a parent. Cool. So we're going to offer that on your own time. We think it will be helpful. Church is just basically buying into this as a resource for you, and we're obviously focusing on Sunday gatherings or communities. So this is like a supplement if you want it, and it'll be up for a couple months. But you'll hear maybe even some reference to this a little bit throughout the series. Trying to offer something for everybody as we think about these things. Cool. The other thing is this. Just before we jump into today's text and a quick reflection, is next Sunday as part of this. We are, I think right now, dedicating at least four children, which is wonderful and is super excited about that. Really excited to do that next week. So, it's going to be a party in here next week as we celebrate that. If you'd like your child dedicated, uh, talk to Sonia. She's been reaching out a little bit. And if next week doesn't work, um, there's lots of opportunity on other Sundays to be able to do that. But uh, we've put it out there and uh, really excited next week. Uh, it's going to be a really meaningful time. Really ties into some of the things we're talking about. Okay? Cool, so good, all right. Deuteronomy 6, if you have a Bible, you wanna open with me. Let's take a few minutes and just reflect before we come to the tables. Scripture's leading us, and maybe what it could mean as a community to go into our homes and live the way of Jesus. And one of the things I think is healthy households, healthy communities that are cultivated in the way of Jesus at home are only going to make the church more healthy, right? As we gather together, the responsibility we have to create this uh, in our homes and and spaces. Deuteronomy 6, if you know, Israel comes out of slavery under an oppressive king named Pharaoh. They're there for 400 years building bricks, oppressed in it. They're released through this miracle and they're in the wilderness (laughs) And there's all sorts of things that come to them, one being the law. Amongst all their confusion of how they're supposed to live as these free people, God gives them the law, which, by the way, is a good thing. It's actually a boundary for them. You've got to just think in context, the barbaric nations around them, just the world at this time, and God wants these people to be his covenant people, this people that's uh, uh, kind of under his rule and reign. And so there is instruction around households and what the f- these families are supposed to do and how they're supposed to live. Deuteronomy 6 says this, these are the commands, decrees, and laws, the Lord, just snap it. Yes, I love it. <laughs> I did the same, no, not at all. I did it the same earlier. You, you, you do the first, and then you got to like follow through with the, right? I love it. I do it too. Um, I was doing it earlier during the video, like, can I just like sneakily do this? And it's Yeah, it is what it is. Um, So uh, the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach, to observe in the land uh, that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children and their children after them, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you, this is talking obviously to the people of Israel, so that you in your generation may enjoy long life, So there's a sense of passing on the ways of God and when the people of God would do this that they would enjoy long life. Verse three, hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you that you may increase greatly in a land Tales comes to me right here flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Verse four, hear, so Shema, hear, listen. O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them, if you have children, on your children. Listen, talk about them. When you sit at home and you walk together on the road, when you lie down to sleep, and when you get up, and tie these on, as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you uh, did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And so right here with the Shema, it's called, the Great Shema, um, the Hebraic community would say this over and over. They would say it four or five times a day. They would wake up, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and strength. They would walk the road, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and strength. As they walked out the path, on the doorpost, they would see it as a sign. As they would eat together in meals, as they would lay their heads to bed, they would say this together. There's something formational about the Shema. And notice in the instruction, the passing on of the ways of God and the cultivation of that in the home. The reality is, um, you know, this is pretty finite in time. Our gatherings together, though they're important, you know, even coming in and listening to teaching, and all of this is important, but think about the power we have. Think about the things we have control over in our homes in cultivating the way of Jesus. God says to them through the law, pass this on. that this will go well for you if you follow my instruction. Actually, Deuteronomy 4, just before that, says only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things you have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. And then, again, teach them to your children and to their children after them. There's this calling to proclaim, to embody the way of God so that generations that would come after us would, would, would catch it, would come into this way. And so this is done in the church, and your kids are taken care of right now, and we have some really intentional things happening for them. But what can we cultivate in our homes in passing on the goodness in the way of Jesus? Four practices. Next week, we're going to talk about scripture, and we're going to talk about how uh, especially in the line of Israel, they would know from Genesis to Revelation, by heart, the Old Testament. Many kids would as they would grow up into adulthood. And so what we're going to do is we're going to all bring our Bibles and we're just going to start memorizing the Old Testament. Amen. Just just straight up. I hope you have all day next Sunday. Now, one of the things we're going to talk about is how we're story form people and actually it was, it was through speaking and oratory means in which they would speak this over each other. And We're going to look at the value of Scripture leading us and how we can cultivate the story of God within our homes. In a couple weeks, we're going to talk about prayer. And we've done the work of looking at fixed hour prayer and the Lord's prayer as kind of a pattern for us in our prayer rhythms, but we're going to take it to our homes. And we're not just going to talk about it, because I know for myself, prayer is something easily that I just talk about, or I'll listen to a podcast about, or I'll read a book about. We're actually going to Give some tools in which we can pray within our homes. A few weeks from today, uh, November 6th, we're going to be in communities and we're going to talk about hospitality and eating and drinking and what that looks like in, not just with community members in the church but with people in our homes. And then four weeks from today, November 13th, we'll look at blessings and words of life and how we can do that. We want to pass this on from one generation to the next. We want to be a part of a community that does that but I'm also feeling in a healthy way the weight and responsibility that I have with my 110 hours with my own kids to pass it along. And the reality is, is in the busyness of our world and our schedules and everything that we have going on, we are being formed and shaped by something. I think it was Calvin or Luther who called our hearts an idol factory and the point that they were trying to make is it doesn't matter if you're being you know you know it doesn't matter whether you think you worship something or not we are all worshipers and we're all being formed and shaped into something and so what we want to see happen is our homes become these places and spaces where we counterform there's counterformation happening in our home where prayer and scripture hospitality and eating words of blessing would be our default That There would be actual practical daily rhythms we could kind of put into our home. For some of us, this seems daunting because maybe you look across the landscape and you don't see a lot of intention in your home. Um, I would just say open up your heart, open up your life to the next number of weeks and how we could see this happen. Uh, My favorite philosopher, Dallas Willard, he put it like this. He said, grace isn't opposed to effort, but to earning. Grace isn't opposed to effort, but to earning. What we want to do is put some motion in place to give our effort, put in our effort into these practices. But as we come to the tables, brothers and sisters, we are not trying to earn anything. You follow Jesus. You are right in his eyes. How cool is that? What we want to do from that posture and from that place is create lives that are immersed in God. And I heard somebody say this, just a thinker philosopher, a little while ago. They said, we don't accidentally become more like Jesus, right? We don't just wake up and all of a sudden become more like Jesus. There's things that we do, the things that Jesus did to cultivate becoming more like him with the ultimate goal of becoming like Jesus to become people of love. Do you want to become a person of love in our moment filled with hate and injustice and division? This is what this is about, becoming and embodying the way of Jesus to become people of love. And so as we peer towards the table now, this has been more of just a primer. This is kind of get, you know, paddling out into the deep a little. But I would just ask you to not just open up your life, but to think about even now, what you could be doing. Grace isn't opposed to effort. What kind of effort can you be putting in to your space? My hope is over the next few weeks as we talk and as we come around the scriptures, there would just be like little dreams birthed in some of the things you could see happen in your home to cultivate a way in which Jesus is worshiped and we become more like him. So I don't know what that is for you, but I just ask you to open up yourself to that. Whether you have flatmates, roommates, whether you're a married couple with, you know, you don't have children or you have kids and you're just wrestling through this, what could this be for you? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is one. And Jesus actually pointed to this as the most important thing for us as followers of Jesus. And he added one thing. So in the Shema, you get love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and strength. Jesus adds to it, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, your mind, your very mind, your thinking, your intellect, and your strength. May this be the call for us as we live this out. You with me? You up for it? Here's the beauty of now, like, I feel like in some ways I got nothing to lose. Like, and this is this is a good thing. Like, and just where we're headed. Um, I was gonna say, what are you gonna do, fire me? And you're like, yeah, we'll fire you. But really, you know, like, um, and I'm just joking on that. But like, the beauty of like, you know, we're trying to take it just away from just like a talking head. I hope as we would come to the tables, this could be a way for us just to think through, what can I be called into? What can I do to till the ground a bit for the 110 hours, you know, and I know we're not in our homes 110 hours, but what can I do to till the ground to create space to follow Jesus in everything, in our ordinary kind of lives that we live. How could God be present and work among us? And, you know, I try and speak words of life from the front and open up the scriptures and, and you know, get this going, but what I love as we come to the table is we're reminded of Jesus' work, but I, I also, also hope through this time as we kind of end that we could think through what we could move towards. Maybe it's something small, little for you as a new parent, college student, whatever it is. And so God, we just ask that you would come among us. We're gonna worship here together and come to the table, but God, we ask that, I just pray, Spirit, that you would do your work. Do the work that's way better than just talking into a microphone. Reveal, illuminate, work within us. Have your way. I pray that as we come to the table, we would be reminded of your grace, your work, your power. God, as we eat bread and juice, drink juice, may this just be a simple reminder of the very ordinary things that fuel our ordinary lives, and yet this is where you want to meet us. So come, Holy Spirit, I pray. May we be people that... um, just create space here to love you with heart, soul, mind, and strength, with everything. May we, uh, for the parents in the the room, may you just help us to see the call to pass this on from one generation to the next. May church be light, but in some of this, may the weight of this in your holiness and your goodness and what you wanna do, may it be, in a sense, heavy, Not to burden us, but to open our eyes to what we're called into, leading our kids, the next generation. So be among us, our worship, our praise as we come to the table. Do your work within us. Jesus' name. Jesus' name.